Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Isn't it wonderful that God's mercy is always more than our sin? That's why we're here this morning. Because we know that God loves us and God is worthy of our worship. So I would invite you uh, to turn to Psalm 61. We're going to look at a refuge providing God today. And it just so happens that the Psalms are just full of God is a refuge, God is our strength, God is a stronghold. So we're going to take a look at a few of those. Psalm 61, verses 3 and 4. Gracious God, we pray that your word will come to life today in our hearts. We thank you for your mercy. Now we thank you for your Holy Spirit, who is the only one who can apply your word to our hearts so that people can see that our lives have been transformed because we bear your fruit. I pray, Lord, for transformation today. May your word grab hold of our hearts that when we leave here this morning, we will be different because you have done a work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. For God, you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Psalm 62, in its entirety. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from God. Truly God is my rock and my salvation. God is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from God. Truly God is my rock and my salvation. God is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. God is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And then one of my favorite psalms of all time, Psalm 91. I just love this psalm, verses 1 through 4 and 9 to 16. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, God is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. 
Surely God will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. God will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. God's faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because she loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue her. I will protect her, for she acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing, the understanding and the doing of his word. In certain parts of the ancient Middle East, Populations were spread out, so societies weren't that well organized, and their judicial systems were few and far between. People kept the law and order by a rather crude and aggressive form of tribal crime and punishment. For example, if someone in your family lost his or her life at the hands of another person by murder, your family would call a meeting. And you'd discuss the situation, and then you would appoint a member of your family who was known as the blood avenger. And this person would become the representative from your family whose job it would be to go and track down the person that murdered your family member and killed that person. And then a celebration would ensue because justice had been done. However, there was a problem that arose in the middle of that culture. Maybe you can guess what it was. There was no provision for accidental homicides or unintentional deaths. In Deuteronomy 19, it talks about somebody going into the woods with another person to cut wood. And while he's swinging it, the axe hit the other person in the head and the person died. It was completely unintentional. Deuteronomy numbers and Joshua, we see God step into the situation and address the problem by establishing cities of refuge. Can you picture a city of res refuge? Joshua chapter 20, verses 1 through 3 says... 
to designate the cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses so that anyone who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there to the city of refuge and find protection from the avenger of blood. So God established six cities of refuge. They were spread out. And can you picture, <clears throat> there's a sign to Jerusalem, there's a sign to the city of refuge, no matter where you went. Because if you killed someone unintentionally, you got to start running right away. You don't have time to look at a map. So you got to be able to read the signpost and get to the closest city of refuge so that you could be safe. Once the offender got to the city of refuge, before the blood avenger tracked them down, they were guaranteed to be safe inside of the gates. After a time, a fair trial would be held by a high priest. And if the person was innocent, he or she could leave the city of refuge and nobody would harm them. But if the person was guilty, then the blood of avenger would do his thing. Look at what God provided in the middle of this situation. He provided a place to run to. He provided a shelter. He provided a hiding place till fair, a fair trial could be had. And look at what God named these cities. Cities of refuge. The idea for these cities, these shelters, flows out of the very heart of God. They are bound up in the nature and the character of God to provide safety and refuge to people who are feeling oppressed or hunted down. It's in the heart of God to provide safety and refuge for those who are running fast but wearing down. It's the heart of God to provide safety and refuge to people who hear footsteps and who desperately need a hiding place. Maybe you've heard some unfriendly footsteps in your life recently. You're under enormous stress right now. How many of you feel like you're being tracked down as if there's some unfriendly people or forces that you just can't seem to escape? Think about people throughout the world. Think about the church that's being persecuted everywhere. There are people who want to hunt them down. How many of you have come here this morning thinking that just about the greatest gift that I could ever have with the week that I have is to come into this sanctuary this morning and experience a temporary hiding place, a secure and safe place, just to be able to meet with God. Our God is a refuge-providing God. God delights in that role. And he only asks us 
that we would avail ourselves to the refuge that he provides. About a month ago, uh, near Buffalo, New York, uh, a town called Cheektowaga, try spelling that, how many of you would like to live there, Cheektowaga? There was a blizzard in which all of the cars were covered up. You might, you might have read about it. And there was one man named Jay Withy. And Jay Withy left his house, and he was going out to see if he could help people. And he got lost. He got absolutely lost. His car was in a, in a snow ditch. It was snowing that much, and he could hardly make it down the streets. So he left his car, and he went out, and he realized, because it was like 10 or 15 below zero, so he decided that he was going to start knocking on doors to see if he could find a refuge. He knocked on 15 doors, and every one of the people said, no, you can't spend the night. All he was asking to do was sleep in the rug in the dining room. That's all he was asking to do. And nobody did. So he felt, well, maybe God has another plan for me. So he goes out, and he gets back in his car, and he's running his car. And then all of a sudden, he sees one person walking down the street, an elderly lady that was like 75 years old, and she's freezing. He invites him in the car. And then his whole car is full. But then he looks at his gas gauge and he realizes he's going to run out of gas pretty soon. So he gets out of the car and he thought he saw something down the road and sure enough it was an elementary school. So he broke into the elementary school and something like 25 people he rescued and saved that day that would have died by taking them into the refuge. There was some food. He fed them. There were bathrooms. And they were safe while the storm passed by. And the kind of man that he was afterwards, he wrote this note. And he said, whoever finds what I did, I broke in to try to help 20 people. <laughs> So he apologized and then gave his number so the police could come and arrest him if they wanted to. But the police gave him a medal. They said, we've never seen anything like this. This is the kind of community that we want to have. Now, if you would have asked those people what a physical refuge felt like, they would say, it felt like that school. There was shelter from harsh elements. There was a protected environment where they could regroup, recuperate, reorganize. There was safety and security in that place from which they could eventually plan their best approach for getting rescued. But let me ask you this morning, what does a spiritual refuge feel like? What does a spiritual refuge look like? Psalm 46, 1 says, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. God is a shelter from the harsh forces or realities that are pressing in upon you and wearing you down. A spiritual shelter feels like a protected environment in which you can rest in God's amazing grace, that you can rest and take shelter in the love that God 
has for you. One of the most beautiful pictures of a spiritual refuge is in Psalm 91. Have you ever seen little chicks? I've had the opportunity to do that. I'm sure Bill has and Cynthia has. Little chicks when there's something, ah, there's a fear. The mother picks up her wings and the chicks, and before you know it, like a magnet, they're all in, and the wings are down. Wow. You see, that's a picture of a spiritual refuge. I've heard of hens that will call the chicks and then there'll be a fire or someone will eat the hen and they find that the chicks are okay in the shelter underneath them. And the chicks say to each other in the darkness, my heart, my heart, did you see the size of the teeth on that wolf? <laughs> but they're okay under the wings for a time. Eventually, they have to crawl out and they have to face the world. But for that time, there's nothing quite like being under the shelter of the wings. You see, this is the very heart of God for us. It is the heart of God like that hen to open up his wings and allow us to run under his wings and provide a hiding place for his children, a spiritual refuge. Just like God provided cities of refuge for those people that were running for their lives, God provides spiritual refuge for us. God delights in spreading his protective wings and then folding his frightened, weary, beaten down, worn out children under his wings. And God says, hide here for a time. Get out of danger for a time. Rest. Renew your strength. Let me build you up so that you may go out and live in my grace and my joy. Then when you're, the time is right and your strength has been renewed, when your soul has been restored, then God lifts the wings and we venture back into the world a little calmer, a little stronger, and a little more secure in the grace and confidence of God's care for us. It's that kind of refuge that God so freely desires to provide. So who needs a refuge? If you have to ask that question, you probably haven't needed one yet. Cities of refuge didn't mean much to the, Avenger, the average person on the Old Testament streets. But to the person who was being chased down by the blood avenger, that the blood avenger was hot on her tail, cities of refuge were the most important places on the planet. She runs for her life, bursting through the gates of the city of refuge just ahead of her pursuer. She falls down on the street inside of the city of refuge and she says, Yay, God! 
I would have been dead were it not for this safe place. Psalm 9.9 spells it out clearly. It says, All who are oppressed may come to God, and God is a refuge for them. It uses the word a stronghold. God has a stronghold on you in your time of trouble. Throughout the Psalms, there's an invitation by God himself to come under his wings. Who needs a refuge? Oppressed people do. Troubled people do. Weary people do. Grieving people do. Worried people do. Disappointed people do. Heartbroken people do. Lonely people do. I experienced this in a, a deep, deep way in my life when my son was, um, I think, probably about 18 years old. And my son had experienced the depth of God's grace and the fullness of God's spirit in his life. And I could tell that my son was a new creation. And I could also tell that he had some things that he was struggling with. And so he asked me, he said, Dad, will you go to a Kent Henry concert with me? Kent Henry is a, he's a prophet, he's a, he's a preacher. Um, he is someone who is uh, very deeply connected to the Spirit of God. And so we went to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, to a, a church in Harrisburg. It was a pretty big church. And I would say there were probably about 2,000 people there that day. And Kent Henry preached on this passage. He preached on this passage. And he just invited people. They started playing music very softly. And he just invited people who were oppressed, who were worried, who were disappointed, who were heartbroken, just to come forward. And my son at that time had just had uh, his fiancée say that she was not going to marry him. Before you feel deeply worried about that, he ended up with the prize. <laughs> That was, that was a, a wonderful thing that happened. He went through pain, but uh, only to experience the joy of resurrection, right? So Kent Henry, just, he just stopped speaking. He said, I sense the, the spirit is moving here in this place. And so th they began to play something in the background. And I'm telling you, 2,000 people got up out of their seats. And they were responding, just responding to the love and the grace and the care of God. They were like little hens. I mean, they were like little chicks who were going to come, get under the, the wings, right? And so um, my son Seth in that moment went forward and he could not stop crying. He could not stop grieving because he was holding on to that. And I just stood back and I just watched God nestle my son in his, under his wings. And then I watched God nestling all of these other people 
It was unbelievable. And that's the first time that I've ever experienced that being drawn to God's shelter in such a beautiful way that God wanted and was able to love everyone's heart into wholeness in that moment, including my own. That service lasted five hours. It felt like five minutes because God was present doing a work in people's hearts. And then I understood the passage that said, one minute for me is like 10,000 years for God. It was absolutely unbelievable. And then they gave the microphone up to anybody that wanted to share. And one by one, people came up and they described what was happening. And they said, it was like I was nestled next to the heart of God. And he just ministered to my life. And that's the refuge providing God is here today. He's here today. And he wants to shelter you for a time. Can't you feel the wings of God under you, pulling you to himself? You can almost hear God whisper, stay here for a while, child. Stay here for a while. Some of us don't know what that's like. Look at your world today. Just look around. People are running, 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 running. They're running here. They're running there. They're running after things. Do you see it? Some of us don't know how to stay there in the city of refuge and allow the gates to swing open. We have a refuge providing God, and his boundless love for us makes it a joy for God to hide us for a time. Now, how do you access the refuge God provides? Listen closely. The first move is yours. You want to access the shelter of a refuge providing God. The first move is yours. It's a big one. It's a hard one. It goes against the grain of many of us who like to consider ourselves independent and self-sufficient. I can handle it, thank you. I don't need that. Just watch me fly. It's the move from independence to dependence on God. Psalm 91.15, God says, When you call upon me, then I will answer you. When you call upon me, I will be with you in trouble. I will rescue you and honor you. So what is the first practical step toward accessing God's refuge? It's to call out, Oh, God! It's to admit that something or someone is chasing you or has a hold on you and you are being weared down. It's admitting that unless I find a city of refuge, unless I find the hiding place, unless the wings of God are over me, I'm done. I'm done. 
I can't outrun this. My only hope is a city of refuge. You can access the city of refuge anytime, anywhere. But the first step is for you to move from independence to dependence on God. You've got to call out. Do you need to call out today? Is your heart wanting to call out to God? The second step is a practical step. It's to move from silence to spilling it all out to God. Psalm 62, 8, pour out your hearts to God, for God is a refuge for us. The first step is to call out. The second step is to pour out. God invites us to explain to him what it is that is plaguing us so. What is it that we're running from? And the password, we're pretty big on passwords. I'm going to give you the password today. The password that opens the gate into the refuge of God are the soul-wrenching words that flow out of your pain-filled heart when you finally decide to trust God. Ow! That's the password. No! God! When you tell him how bad it is, how wearied you are, how hopeless it seems, how discouraging your situation really is. It's as if the password hits the heart of God. Boom! The gates open. Boom! His wings extend. And you feel his arms extend over you. One of my favorites is the prophet Jeremiah. Now, unless you think that Jeremiah had a field day of a life because God called him, right? Because God called him very, very early. He didn't even know when God was calling him. From the womb, God called him. And God said, I want you to be my spokesperson to all of the nations. Jeremiah was a little tentative about it. And God said, I'll be with you. I'll give you words. I will protect you. So Jeremiah spoke the word of God. But everywhere he turned, he found resistance. He spoke to the rulers and they said, take a flying leap. He spoke to the priests and they said, get out of here. He spoke to the people and they said, get lost. Get lost, Jeremiah. Every time Jeremiah's mouth opened and he spoke the word of God, he got nothing but resistance. And there came a point where the people got sick of hearing what Jeremiah was speaking to them. And so they beat him mercilessly. They put him in stocks by the city gate so people could spit on him and laugh at him as they passed by all day long. He was their entertainment. And when he was finally released from the stocks that he was in, 
Jeremiah was in bad shape. He needed refuge desperately. So Jeremiah pours out his heart to God. I love this. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Jeremiah chapter 20. And he said, God, I've been a laughing stock. These people are spitting on me. They're making fun of me. Every time I open my mouth and I speak your word, the result is reproach all day long. And then he says, Cursed be the day when I was born. Jeremiah said that. Cursed be the man who ran out of the delivery room saying that I was born. Now you have to be pretty blue to say that. I hate my birthday. I hate my mother for having me. I hate the guy who passed out cigars saying it's a boy. I hate every part of that. But what grips me is Jeremiah is pouring out his heart to God. And while he was doing that, these pain-filled words were the password. They were the password. And the gates of the city of refuge opened and God's wings extended and God brought Jeremiah under his protective care. And shortly thereafter, Jeremiah spoke these words. The Lord is with me. My persecutors will not prevail. I will not be forgotten. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. He has delivered the soul of a needy one from the hand of the evildoers. <laughs> Are you catching the picture? Right? So when somebody's chasing you, when you're wearied, when you need a refuge, don't run! See, see, that's what we're really good at in our society. We run, and we have a thousand ways to run. Don't run away. Run toward God with the password. Help! Ow! That's the password. Now, what changed for Jeremiah? He's going to go out tomorrow and preach the same words that he preached when the crowd made him miserable. But he's going to do it with renewed strength, with a renewed confidence in the word of God, with a perspective that God has, and with a hope that comes from being sheltered in the arms of God for a time. Christianity never promises that adversity will be removed from your life if you trust Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Christianity never promises that adversity will be removed from your life if you trust Jesus Christ. It says 
that we have a refuge providing God who knows how to provide for you when you've got a blood avenger chasing you so that you are able to find refuge and God is able to strengthen you and God is able to bring you his word and God is able to comfort you and give you what you need so that you are able to continue to walk a day at a time by his grace which is sufficient for you. I close with one question for you today. Is it time for you to pour out your heart to God? Is it time for you? Now, if you feel like running, check. Is it time for you to pour out your heart to God? Is it time for you to tell him all about the footsteps that you are hearing the opposition that you are feeling, the pressure that you are facing, the burden that you are carrying, the fear that is tearing you apart. I was so thankful for the day when I learned the password, and it sounds a lot like Jeremiah's. Throughout my ministry, I came to that place many times where I felt kind of like Jeremiah. God, after all I'm doing for you, God, after all I'm doing for you, I needed a shelter. I found that if I tuck under the wings of God for a time, I can eventually crawl out of there and face what it is God wants me to face and lead what it is that God wants me to lead and speak the words that God wants me to speak. But I couldn't do it without a refuge. And I suspect neither can you. You may be in extreme distress this morning. You might know what it's like to have a blood avenger on your tail. Scripture would advise you to orient your whole life, your whole schedule, all of your relationships and your activities around times of refuge. Jesus himself, the Son of God, would take some safe friends to a safe place and they'd huddle together and they would seek refuge under God's wings of love. The night of his arrest, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane with a few friends. It was a safe place. He was with safe people. He was under the refuge providing wings of God. And when his arresters came, when they came to arrest him, he said, take me. I'm ready. Do you need to run to the city of refuge today? I want to close this message by reminding us that there is an ultimate city of refuge. It's an ultimate city of refuge in which we can be totally safe and protected forever. It's called heaven. The Bible says, 
It is absolutely safe there. You will never hear footsteps again. There will be nobody breathing down your neck. There will be no fear, no more oppression, no more loneliness, no more physical limitations. And that city of refuge is open and available to those who access it through Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying, come on in. This is the heart of our refuge providing God for the faint-hearted, for the sinner, for those who don't have it all together in their lives. It is an absolute refuge that begins by faith alone in Jesus' sacrifice, his death and resurrection. It is a type of city of refuge in Christ in whom sinners find refuge from the destroyer of our souls. And we flee to Christ for refuge. We can run to Jesus today. I'd like to close this message with an invitation. An invitation for you to take those two steps. And the first is to cry out. Just cry out. That's the password. Cry out. God, I need your refuge. And then run into his arms in his refuge that he provides. I'd like to enter a time of prayer.